Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, or whenever you may be listening. Welcome to episode 48 of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. I am your host, Luke Halgerson. Going to do something different this episode. We're only doing three topics and then an unpopular opinion. Why? Because it's my podcast. I get to do whatever I want with my podcast. It's my own. I get to do it. So yeah, we're only doing three topics this episode and an unpopular opinion. So let's get into it. Topic number one, NFL playoffs, full swing, divisional round, ended as of Sunday night. First of all, it should be mentioned, I've only picked one game incorrectly thus far. Those Seattle Seahawks, you let me down, Russell Wilson. Pete Carroll, you got Jamal Adams, you blew it. You're the only reason I'm not undefeated at this point in my NFL postseason picks. Every other game so far, I have picked correctly. For the divisional round, the games this past weekend, Give you the scores. The Packers beat the Rams 32 to 18. The Buffalo Bills beat the Baltimore Ravens 17 to 3. The Kansas City Chiefs beat the Cleveland Browns 22 to 17. And the nightcap, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks beat the New Orleans Saints 32 20. Let's start with the Packers Rams game first. Look. There's no stopping Aaron Rodgers at this point. I mean, he's just too good. Too good, too dominant. And this Rams defense, they beat like one good elite-level quarterback this year. I thought their defense is very good. Have a lot of talent around it. You know, Ramsey's one of the best corners in the league. Donald is possibly the best defensive player altogether. In the NFL, they went 10-6. and six. But other than beating Russell Wilson twice and Tom Brady, who are the other quarterbacks that they beat? They beat the Cowboys. Okay, Dak, that's not that impressive. They beat the Eagles. Carson Wentz was atrocious this year. They lost to the Bills. They beat the Giants. Like <laughs> Daniel Jones is nothing special, and I'm sure they went up against the backup. Washington, was Alex Smith even playing? Regardless, that's not... Very impressive. They lost to the 49ers. Um, they don't have a real established quarterback. They beat the Bears. All right, congrats. You beat Nick Foles and Trubisky. Good for you. They lost to the Dolphins. Again, like I said, they beat the Seahawks twice. Uh, beat Tom Brady, 27-24, one of Brady's worst outings. Lost to the 49ers twice. Yeah, they beat Kyler Murray, I guess. Yeah, they beat the Patriots. Cam Newton, is he even a starting quarterback in the league anymore? Lost to the Jets lost to the Seahawks, and then beat the Cardinals. So, really, who are the top quarterbacks they're beating? When they go up against top-tier quarterbacks, they don't didn't seem to be that successful. And then having to go up against the bad man himself, Aaron Rodgers, it's a tall task. It's a tall task for a team with Donald being hurt. It was just a lot to ask for to beat that. I think it was just the Seahawks win was as good as it was going to get for the Rams this year. I don't think they were a true Super Bowl threat, especially with Goff just having thumb surgery uh, just a few short weeks ago, coming back quickly. I mean, he still has screws in his left hand. <laughs> I mean, that matters. It matters when you're under center. But 
he played all right. He was 21 for 27, 174 yards, one touchdown. You know, he was sacked four times, only a QBR of 84.4. The run game was okay. Akers ran 18 carries, 90 yards, one touchdown. But, I mean, this Packers team, uh, definitively through the year, you could debate they've been the best team in football besides the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, they're 13-3. and three. I mean, they have really the only bad loss they have is against the Tampa Bay Bucks when they lost 38-10. to 10. Other than that, Vikings game was a little fluke. That Colts game was very fluky when their wide receiver fumbled the ball in overtime to give the Colts the ball and a chance to just kick a field goal for the win. But since then... Since losing to the Colts, um, they're on a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven-game winning streak to this point. I mean, they've looked incredible. The defense has been great, and this is right where they expected to be. They were in the NFC Championship game last year, and they're right back there. And it's so funny. They let go of Mike McCarthy, and they struggled to get far in the playoffs and make any real success, and now they get rid of him. Two years of not having Mike McCarthy as their head coach and they're in back-to-back NFC Championship games. Very impressive. Rodgers, yeah, he was great. 23 for 36, 296 yards, two touchdowns, QBR of 92.1. Uh, Aaron Jones, one of the better running backs in the league. 14 carries, 99 yards, one touchdown. I mean, Ramsey was on Adams all game and Adams still had nine catches, 66 yards, touchdown a long of 21. He was targeted 10 times, so he had nine receptions on 10 targets. It's great. It's great. This is, they're just they're the reason they're the one seed. It's a reason they're seven and one at home. The Packers are a force to be reckoned with. Those cheese heads, they're going to be dangerous going in with one more win, and they're in the Super Bowl. Second game, we'll talk about Buffalo Bills against the Ravens. Look, like, I don't want to say Lamar is exposed because he finally won his first playoff game. Big comeback win against the Titans in the wild card round. Um, look, I think the Bills are, let's just put it this way. The teams that for sure won this weekend, I would say, are definitively, even with records, seeding, I think these are the four best teams in football. That being the Packers, Bills, Chiefs, Bucks. Those are the best four teams in football. None of these teams, like, did something fluky to get to this point. Every team earned it. They they did it record-wise, offensive-wise, defensive-wise, just all sides of the ball. Like, these are the most complete teams in the NFL. And, you know, the Ravens. So with this Bills-Ravens game, I think the Ravens just went up against a better team. I think the Bills were truly just better uh, suited to win a football game uh, this late in the year than the Ravens were. And, look, I'm not going to pile it on Jack Lamar like everyone else likes to do when it comes to the quarterback position. But, look, I just think at this point in time, Allen might be better. Like, he was drafted ahead of Lamar for a reason. And I really like Lamar. He's a league MVP. I love how dynamic he is. We've never seen a player of his caliber before other than, you know, like a Michael Vick, maybe rookie year, Robert Griffin III. But Lamar is a dynamic guy. You know, he 
he was pressured all game. Three sacks uh, for minus 24 yards. You know, he carried the ball nine times for only 34 yards. I think the Bills just had a better game plan um, to prepare to stop Jackson. And he got a concussion, was knocked out of the game. Huntley had to take over for him, which was very unfortunate to see. Never want to see a guy go down with injury especially this late in the year. It was a scary hit for sure. Got to hope he's okay. But I just think the Bills at this point in time are better. I like their offensive weapons more with, I mean, just look at their wide receiver core. I like Diggs over Malcolm Brown. I like, who, who else they got? They got Cole Beasley as too, who didn't have a catch, but I still think he's very solid. John Brown, you know, he's not bad. The Bills have a lot of weapons. You know, Singletary in the backfield, they got yelled into. Look, they rely on the pass game way more, but they're also a, a very stout defensive team. Like the Bills, I think, definitively showed there's a reason they got the two seed and are the second best team in the AFC. I uh, no, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. And they, they showed how good they were this past weekend. Looking low-scoring game. It's to be expected, but still won 17 to three pretty handily um you know Allen had one turnover but the bills you gotta watch out like this team team could very well find themselves in the super bowl and the reason for that the third game you know that chiefs browns game it, it was getting ugly you know the browns had a turnover in the end zone just could have been way closer than it was. And frankly, the Browns could have won this game because Patrick Mahomes also went out with a concussion. Hard hit, got his head banged against the ground. He was wobbling, standing up. Tough time getting to the locker room. Very scary sight to see. And who replaced him? Michigan's finest, Chad Henney. The Henney bomb. Oh, my goodness. I mean, Baker threw a, a bad interception. It just but, – but the Browns were right in it at the end. Like, it was close. They had – there was a big fourth and one that the Chiefs had to get, and they went quick to Tyreek Hill, and he got it. Like, Andy Reid, just the balls, the balls of steel on Andy Reid, just for sure. After winning the Super Bowl last year and doing what he did this weekend – with Mahomes going down and still coming through with the victory with Chad Henney as your quarterback, Andy Reid deserves more credit. And again, um, only two teams in NFL history have hosted three straight conference championship games. That would be the Kansas City Chiefs of the past three years and the Philadelphia Eagles back in 2002 to 2004. Guess who's the head coach of both of those teams? One, Mr. Andy Reid. Now, look, I I don't think the Browns are going anywhere. I don't think this was a fluke year for them. I predicted them to beat the Steelers because I thought the Steelers were overhyped all year and were fraudulent the entire season. Whereas this Browns team, I think it's very legit. They got a good run game. I think Baker understands that is he if he stays low on the turnover game, like this team can be very successful. I mean, look at his stats. He threw for thirty five hundred yards, had twenty six touchdowns. That was tied for twelfth. Only turned the ball over eight times. I mean, eight interceptions. That's great. 
for Baker Mayfield, he had the tenth highest QBR in the league. I mean, you could debate Baker Mayfield is a top ten quarterback after this season. For sure, with the way he performed, he he was he stepped up very nicely and showed why he was the number one pick at one point with the same draft class as <laughs> uh, just as Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Just pretty shocking that all three of those guys made it this far in the playoffs and have been this successful being so young. It's incredible. But I don't think the Browns were a fluke. Love what this team has. They got a lot to offer. Uh, the One of the best run games in the league with Chubb and Hunt. I just really tip my cap to the Browns for turning this thing around, bringing in the right coach and Kevin Stefanski. Uh, but they just went up against just a better team. Like I think the Chiefs, if Patrick Mahomes is healthy, they're the best team in football. When he started, at this point, they're 15-1 and one on the year when he has been the starting quarterback. Like, and they have one fluke loss against the Raiders very early in the season. Since then, it's been nothing but dominant. I mean, Mahomes, before he got hurt, 21 for 30, 255 yards, one touchdown. He wasn't incredible, but he was still Patrick Mahomes. He rushed for a touchdown. Um, I mean, Tyreek Hill was eaten. He had eight receptions, 110 yards. Kelsey did his thing, 109 yards, one touchdown. Both had eight receptions. Just They have weapons all over the field. They're literally the most dynamic team in the NFL and are very scary and very tough to deal with. And But the thing is, I, I'm not making any picks yet. This is just breaking down the weekend's action. But if Patrick Mahomes is unable to play due to being in concussion protocol for this weekend's AFC championship game, we could very well see the Buffalo Bills in the Super Bowl. I will be making my picks later in the week. Obviously, I want to see that Patrick Mahomes news and update before I truly make my picks. But, wow. I mean, I've already predicted the playoffs to this point. I already got the Chiefs and Bucks at this point. I'm going to be riding with those picks moving forward. But it, I got to tell you, the Bills will win if Patrick Mahomes does not play. I have no faith whatsoever in Chad Henney as a starting quarterback in the NFL, regardless of the weapons he has, regardless of the coaching and the smarts that Andy Reid offers. Chad Henney is not getting the job done. <laughs> he is just not. It's still Chad Henney, folks. It's still Chad Henney. But, you know, Chiefs at this point with Patrick Mahomes as starting quarterback, they're the best team in the NFL. That's why they're looking to repeat. That's why they're in this position. But if Mahomes is out, watch out now. Final game of the divisional round, and I would say the biggest, most impactful game of the weekend, that upset of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over the New Orleans Saints. Look, I thought this was going to happen in the NFC Championship game. But it happened to come around sooner, and I just, you could just see the writing on the wall. Yeah, it just happens a lot where a team will look ugly in the regular season. Everyone, you know, played it off of, shrugged their shoulders at, oh, well, it's tough to beat a team three times. You know, that's an actual thing. Like, people don't just say that just because, like, they like to hear themselves talk. No, it's like, it's why baseball does three game series. It, you know, it's, 
part of the, it part of the game like you and you get enough film you get enough you see a team enough you understand the idiosyncrasies that they're going to do and the things that they are prone to do on offense and defense it's easier to game plan against a team that you've seen two times and a third time you know you can perfect the craft right there i mean just it was set up for an upset in the making and again another upset that i predicted I'm going to pat myself on the back since no one else wants to right now. I just, and again, I'm never going to doubt Tom Brady. Like, I don't know why so many people were just willing to just write the guy off after leaving New England. You know, yeah, coaching does matter. Like, Belichick needed Brady. Brady needed Belichick to get to this point. But now Brady is such a fine-tuned machine that of all the old headquarterbacks, like, look at how some of them have fallen off. I mean, watching that Bucks saints game, Drew Brees looked dreadful. It was almost sad to watch. Through three interceptions, and they were ugly interceptions. He was 19 for 34, had 134 yards. He couldn't throw the ball 15 yards down the field. He was throwing ducks out there, quack, Quack. I mean, there was no velocity behind those passes. I mean, Jameis Winston threw the best pass of any Saints quarterback. 56-yard bomb on a double reverse. It just... And it's really sad to see because I think Drew Brees is a top five quarterback of all time. You know, debatably for sure. I think he's top five. But it was just very shocking to see how... One guy is 42, the other guy is 43. Brady looked better. And I I know, you could look at the stats and be like, well, was he? He was 18 for 33, 199 yards, two touchdowns. The defense did a lot to control the Saints' offense and put themselves in good field position. Look, Brady is still a maestro. Still goes out there, puts puts his team in a position to win. And you look look at all the other old head quarterbacks. Philip Rivers looked old. Ben Roethlisberger looked old. That's why he threw four interceptions in their playoff game against the Browns. Like, Drew Brees looked old. And here's Tom Brady. Another team, another conference title game. <laughs> it's, it's unfathomable that this guy can be so dominant for so long. I, I just don't understand. I don't understand how you could possibly doubt him and think another quarterback has been this successful, this great at any point in history. No one is better. It's, it's remarkable. And I, I don't want to give too much credit to Brady because he is that good, but... Bucks got a good team. You know, they finally went to the run game. Finally. Like, I don't know if... I'm sure they went after getting blown out their last time against the Saints. Like, they realized it's like playoff football. You need to establish the run so you can run play action. You know, rely on the run game a little bit. You have good running backs. Fournette is good. Ronald Jones is good. And they did it. They rushed Fournette 17 times. They rushed Jones 13 times. That's 30 carries. That's what they should be doing, relying on the backfield. That's what New England did. 
That's how New England was successful. Let the running backs eat on first and second down, maybe even sometimes on short yardage, third down situations, and then let Brady be the genius that he is at the quarterback position. I, he, he just makes it happen with everyone. I mean, you know, the the receivers were kind of quiet, but he's finding Brait for passes. He's finding Scotty Miller for 29 yards on a catch. He's finding Johnson, the rookie, for a big 15-yard catch where he had an unbelievable play. I, Brady just does it with anyone. He didn't. Mike Evans had one catch for three yards. Yeah, it was a touchdown, but that was it. Antonio Brown, one catch, 10 yards. Rob Gronkowski, one catch, 14 yards. I mean, Godwin was the only big-name receiver that had more than one catch, and he had four catches for 34 yards. Nothing too impressive. Saints do have a good defense, but again, finally. And Bruce Arians said it best. Like He allows Tom Brady to coach. He allows Tom Brady to have a voice, have an opinion, speak out, let's him use his knowledge for the team's success. And he said the Patriots didn't allow Tom Brady to do that. And you got to think, yeah, it's Bill Belichick's way or the highway. That's why he moves on. That's why he's coach GM of the Patriots. Like, that's what Belichick is. And and you got to let Brady do his thing. He's this smart. He's this wise. He's been in the league this long. He knows what it takes to win Super Bowls and be successful in December and January when it comes to the NFL. He's just on a different level, and I'm glad Bruce Arians – I'm sure Bruce Arians listened. Like, I'm sure Brady was like, we need to establish the run. We got Fournette and Jones. We got to feed the beasts because they can do some damage for us. And sure enough, they did. But, wow. I mean, it might be Drew Brees' last game as a New Orleans Saints – he might not play another down in the NFL. That might be the last game we ever see of Drew Brees. And it's, it's, might, it's a little sad watching him go out like that after being so dominant for so long to just look so human, to look, to look like one of us going out there. It was sad to see. It was sad to see Drew Brees play that poorly, especially in such a big hyped-up game where this is something that he said he envisioned all year having a, this playoff matchup happening. But I say that's why it's the biggest game because it's possibly Drew Brees' last game, and here Tom Brady is still going to another conference title game. just happens to be in a different conference. <laughs> it just, just wow. He doesn't always go to the AFC title game. But when he doesn't, he goes to the NFC title game. (laughs) The GOAT, Tom Brady. And look, we got Packers against the Bucks in the NFC championship game. And we got Chiefs against the Bills, AFC championship game. Let's get to Sunday, folks. I'm ready. I'm ready. It's going to... Bucks... And Bucks Packers play at 3:05 on Fox, and on Sunday 6:40 Eastern Time, both games. CBS got that AFC Championship game, and here we go. Topic number 
two. Today was January 18th, 2021. And on this fine day, we acknowledge the greatness that was Martin Luther King Jr. So if you know anything about the NBA, that means you know that the NBA was on all day, starting at noon until going right now. Lakers are still playing the Warriors, currently watching the game as I speak. But NBA all day, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, one of the best days in the NBA because games are just on all day. First, I, I would like to say I think the NBA should go this route and I think they should have games on all day, all the time. Look, baseball does it. Why doesn't the NBA do it? Why? You know, they got one of the longer seasons. They play, usually they play 82. They're only playing 72 games this year. But why not? Why not have day games? And look, I understand. Look, TV contracts. You know, you want primetime games for, okay, you could still work that out. But why can't I watch, like, the Kings play the Pacers at two in the afternoon thanks to League Pass. Like, I don't see why that's such a hard thing to do. Like, baseball still gets fans when, you know, fans are allowed to be in stadiums once again if the COVID pandemic wasn't going on. And even so, this would have been a good time to consistently have games uh, at all hours of the day. I mean, it makes sense to me. No? Like, why not? I think it would be great. I might help the ratings a little bit. More people, hey, you're at work, throw on the game. Why not? I just, I think it's a good idea to be doing it. They did it during the bubble. They did it during the bubble when they were cramming in all those games. They do it on this beautiful MLK Junior Day. That would be January 18th of 2021. I'm, I'm a big proponent of having sports on all the time, every time. I mean, it's one of the reasons, like, March Madness is always so successful Game started like 11, 10 o'clock in the morning and just go all throughout the day and it's nonstop. Might bring a little more excitement to the NBA if they did something like that. I don't know. Adam Silver, if you're listening, you're welcome for the free idea. But what I want to talk about with the NBA, once tomorrow, 19th of January comes, we'll have played a full month of the NBA thus far. Uh, time is flying. I mean, we're all, you know, most teams have only played like 12, 14, 15 games. I think, yeah, 15 I think is the max. You know, some teams, uh, games have been getting postponed uh, due to COVID. A um, couple games, uh, as a matter of fact, today got postponed. Those Wizards, I mean, they are they even going to play basketball again? <laughs> it seems like the Wizards have taken a lot of time off and haven't played in a really long time. But with the NBA, full month gone by, I'm just going to give you some takeaways that I have. You know, I've done this past episodes. So, you know, five takeaways that I have after a month of play. Let's start takeaway number one. The Battle of Los Angeles is going to happen this year. That's my takeaway. Look, I think definitively that the two best teams in the Western Conference are the Los Angeles Lakers and the Los Angeles Clippers. Lakers are currently on a five-game winning streak, looking to extend it tonight to six. Clippers are on a four-game winning streak and are looking like the juggernaut that they were last year after bringing in Ibaka, 
Luke Kennard. I mean, they're looking very solid. And that's my take number one takeaway. I mean, that I expect this is when this is the year. Twenty twenty one will be the year we get the battle of Los Angeles. That everyone anticipated and expected and hoped for last year, we're gonna get it this year. And I will say I'm I will give credit to Paul George. If you know me, you know I've gotten on his case before on his short, on his playoff shortcomings, not coming through in the clutch, letting you down. It's very crucial moments. I'm going to give him some respect because he has played great this year. He's been really good. He has been really good. I'm honestly shocked with how good he's been. Because, I mean, it's Paul George. I never expect too much from him. But, wow. I mean, what is he averaging? 25-5-5? and I mean, for sure, I would say with the way they're playing, he's looked like the best player on their team. After Kawhi Leonard has missed a couple games, I'm, I would be okay if, at this point, Paul George was considered an MVP candidate. He, he's looked good enough to me for, where I think he, he can deserve that kind of respect. And everyone knows I do not like to give respect to Paul George. I am not that big a fan of his. Not in the slightest. <laughs> not in the, the least bit. But, he, yeah, 25.8 points a game. Excuse me, he's averaging six rebounds a game, five assists, 1.1 steals, um, shooting 51% from the field, 51% from three, 92% from the free throw line. I mean, I'll give credit where credit's due. He's played great. And right behind him, you know, Kawhi Leonard has been great too. 26, 5, and 6, shooting 49% from the field, 43% from three, 87%. I mean, and I like, the, I like their team. Um, I still think why the Lakers are better is because of the point guard situation, the playmaking ability. I think um, Tyron Lue has preached a little more ball movement, getting more of everyone involved, but they're still going to be dangerous. I mean, bringing in a Baca, I think, adds just a different playmaker, adds some, you know, shot blocking ability to this team. They're going to be dangerous. They're going to be dangerous moving forward. I really. Uh, I was disappointed with the Clippers last year. We all wanted that battle of Los Angeles. We didn't get it because they choked that 3-1 lead to the Denver Nuggets in the bubble, which was absolutely beautiful to see. But, look, I'll tip my cap to Paul George, and I will say I do expect the battle of Los Angeles to happen. But this Lakers team, I mean, they're the best team in the Western Conference. LeBron James is looking like the MVP favorite as of right now. Anthony Davis has been playing fantastic for them. Just the Lakers are dangerous, and bringing over the reigning sixth man of the year and then the runner-up for sixth man, Montrez Harold, Dennis Schroeder, uh, they've been great pickups for this Lakers team. The Gasol pickup has not been great. I haven't really enjoyed Marc Gasol being the center. Honestly, I would have rather had them held on to JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard rather than putting a mid-level exception on Marc Gasol. He just, he's old. He is ancient. He does not move well. He doesn't shoot well to this point. 
He's knocked down a couple shots tonight, but it is just one game. I'm just... Uh, he's honestly been the only low point that I, if I really want to criticize the Lakers for anything is Marcus Gasol has not lived up to the expectations, but I like the other role players. You know, Wesley Matthews is fitting in nicely. Like I said, Montrell's Schroeder is finished um, stepping in nicely as well. Really gelling with this team. Um, you know, they still got Kuzma, KCP, Caruso. I just, up and down, Wesley Matthews, he's been solid as well. Nice 3 and D player. They just have a lot of decent guys on this team who can really step up and do some, do something for them. And who is it? THT? <laughs> Tucker? I mean, he's been, he's been nice. He's been a nice, another nice guy off the bench. And they also got Markeith Morris. Uh, they're just a loaded team that can go 10-11 deep. Um, they're an interesting... I just think they're they're the favorites. I expect them to repeat as champions, but this Battle of Los Angeles going to be very tasty. Very tasty, indeed. Mm, I'm all for it. My second takeaway, um, after the James Harden trade um, to the Brooklyn Nets, I would say the Nets now become the biggest story in the NBA, for sure. I mean, you're adding a league MVP, a scoring champion, James Harden, to play alongside another MVP, a finals MVP, another scoring champion in Kevin Durant. And I know Kyrie has had his drama, hasn't played in like eight games, didn't play today um, in their matchup against Milwaukee, but is expected to join them at practice tomorrow, still trying to get in conditioning shape. He's ready to get back in action, but I mean, it's they've become one of the most, and I think the most intriguing team as we move forward in this year. I mean, Kevin Durant's the second leading scorer in the league right now behind Bradley Beal. And I think he might have overtaken Bradley Beal in points per game. No, no, he's only averaging 30. And actually, I need to correct myself. Paul George is only averaging 24.8 points a game, and Kawhi Leonard is averaging 24.3 points a game. But Durant, he's second in scoring, only behind Bradley Beal. I mean, James Harden, you know he can give you 30 a night. You know Kyrie. All of them can go off for 40 any given night. And I didn't think they were going to have much bench depth. But watching the Bucks game, I mean, Joe Harris can knock down a shot. I don't believe in Jeff Green too much. You know, DeAndre Jordan, I think he's a little on the older side. But I think with the playmaking and scoring ability that the other guys offer, like, the role players are going to get looks and opportunities. They just need them to step up. Tonight they did that. Joe Harris scored 20 points. Jeff Green chipped in 14. I think DeAndre Jordan t- chipped in like 14 or 12 as well. It just, they just became one of the, I think the most interesting team. Just how it's going to work. I'm, Kyrie insisted I don't, he doesn't want to play off the ball. Uh, he that's why he left Cleveland in the first place to get away from LeBron. LeBron LeBron was the point guard of that team. Kyrie was pretty much shooting guard. Now James Harden's going to bring up the ball. 
James Harden's going to be the main ball distributor on that team. Like, that's what it is. And Kyrie is frankly going to be third fiddle. I mean, Kevin Durant and James Harden are both better than Kyrie Irving. Like, but that's why I think it's going to be interesting. Can those three fit together? I, at this point, Harden has fit in seamlessly alongside Durant, but you add in another body, it's only going to make things that much more interesting, and I'm all here for it. I've watched both of the games in which Harden has joined them. He looked really good against the Magic, you know, had that 30-point triple-double. Tonight had another 30-point outing, uh, 12 assists. It's it's going to be fun to watch, but I think they're the biggest story in the NBA and will be moving forward. Uh, third takeaway, LaMelo Ball. I got to say, I am very surprised with how well he is performing. Very surprised. I didn't see this coming one bit. I You know, you see some grainy footage of him playing over in Europe. You see the shooting percentages. You see the stats. Yeah, you see the playmaking ability of what he's capable of doing, but I just I didn't think he would take off like this. He's leading all rookies in every single statistical category. Like, think about that for a second. It's points, rebounds, assists, all of them. LaMelo Ball, and he was... You know, he has size. He's 6'8". He's a big point guard. But that is shocking that he is doing all that. Like, you would think Wiseman would lead in rebounds. Nope, it's LaMelo. Assists. Guess it makes sense. And another thing, he's coming off the bench for the Hornets. He doesn't even start, and he's putting up this kind, these kind of numbers for them. It's been very impressive, to say the least. I've been shocked with how well he has played for them. That being the Hornets. And look, as of right now, what are they? They're six and eight. Yeah, they've lost three in a row, but it's just been very shocking to see a guy like him uh, come in and be this nice. Uh, I didn't see it coming. I wasn't a big fan of his coming in, but he's one of the reasons that they're first in assists in the league. And you got to tip your cap to that. Uh, so I will say, very surprised with how well. LaMelo has played in the early going of the season. At this point, got to be the favorite for Rookie of the Year. Got to be the favorite for Rookie of the Year. No doubt about it to this point. Fourth takeaway, those Toronto Raptors who are currently playing in Tampa Bay. I would say they are going to turn it around. Look, started the year awful, atrocious. Started the year 2-8. and eight. Just a laughing stock. Absolutely embarrassing. But turned it around. They've won three in a row. Still have a long way to go in this season. No reason to give up. Anything like that. They still got the talent. They still got the core of Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam. I like OG and Anobi. I like Powell. I like what they offer. I like the guys that they put out there. Boucher has been shockingly good for them as well. Uh, He's been very impressive. Look, they're 12th in points per game. Uh, I think they're only going to get better. If anything, I will say this. I don't know how they can pull off this trade without hurting their depth too much. But 
they should make a move for a center. And someone I have in mind for them who would be perfect, who I think would really help Nick Nurse in this team, would be Andre Drummond, a guy who knows how to facilitate the ball outside of the post. Just I think he would fit in great for them. He plays defense, good rim protector. I think Nick Nurse can get him to buy into the system very well. I just... Yeah, I, I think they should make a move for Andre Drummond. Now, you don't want to give up too much, but at the same time, if you got to get moves to make moves. So, But the Raptors are going to turn it around. Like They're sitting at 5-8 and eight right now. They're going to get into the playoffs, and I would imagine they're even going to get a top 5-6 seed, no doubt about it. I think it's pretty clear. This team is only going to get better as the year goes on. Chemistry, they're going to get to click in. Uh, they just got to figure out how to close games. That's been their Achilles heel to this point. I've watched a lot of Raptors basketball to this point, and they haven't been able to close um, in the early going. But I think only a matter of time before they really figure that out on how they're going to get it done. And like I said, they've won three in a row. So only going to get better from here. And the final team... So I think the Raptors will turn around, but a disappointing team, to say the least. Those New Orleans Pelicans. Look, I, I very early. There's, we're just twelve games in, so there's no reason to blow anything out of proportion and you know not believe that they can't turn it around either. But they have been disappointing. I thought they would be a little better. So I like Stan Van Gundy as a coach. Um, I thought he'd get the young guys to play harder. You know, so they battled a little injuries with Brandon Ingram. Um, he's kind of fallen back a little bit. You know, Zion was a beast the other night against the Kings. But, look, Lonzo's been hurt. Josh Hart, eh, I'm not really that big fan of blood. So, haven't really heard Steven Adams' name all year. Just... It's just been interesting how they, uh, I thought they would be better. I thought they would be a better team. I thought they would click better um, as a unit. Nikel Alexander-Walker has actually been the biggest surprise for them, and he's 22 years old, only been in the league for one year. Um, I guess looking at their roster, they don't have as much talent as I really thought they did. Like Zion is still only, he's going into his second year and hasn't even played a full season. Lonzo Ball still, uh, you know, battling injuries and is he's Lonzo Ball. He's in, I don't think he's anything too special. J.J. Reddick's getting old but still can knock down a shot. Just I expected more from this team, but at the same time, looking at the roster, they don't have as much as I thought they would have. They don't have the kind of firepower that I thought. I thought, you know, Zion and Brandon Ingram could get the job done for them, but mm, it's tough. This is the NBA league. This is the NBA. Uh, no boys allowed. The association. So, mm -mm -mm. And those are my five takeaways after a month of play. Moving on. Topic number three. Let's just talk about these coaching hirings to this point. Four coaching vacancies have been filled. Let's talk about the biggest one. Gotta be Urban Meyer being hired by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Urban returning to the great state 
of Florida. After coaching at The Ohio State from 2012 to 2018, should be noted, he got his head coaching start at my alma mater, Bowling Green State University. That's right. He coached there from 2001 to 2002, got them to a 10-win season, then moved on to where my brother went to school and his alma mater at University of Utah. Remember they had the Sugar Bowl win uh, back there in 2004? Then after that, got the job at Florida, was there for five years, won a national championship, you know, coached one of the most baffling teams ever, then went to Ohio State, won another national championship there. So... Clearly, it just shows from his track record, he's been a winner everywhere he's gone. He has been successful, but that's at the college level. How is he going to do at the NFL level? Look, it's tough to gauge how a college coach is going to translate to the NFL. Nick Saban couldn't do it. I mean, and, you know, I'm not going to say, like, he's the end-all, be-all of the argument, but Nick Saban wasn't successful but has been incredible in college. You could say Urban Meyer is on the same level as Nick Saban. Maybe not as high, obviously, because Nick Saban, I would say, is probably the greatest college coach of all time when it comes to football. But I just think it's tough. It's tough, but I think he's coming in – to the best situation he possibly could. The Jags have the number one pick. They got a ton of cap space. He's going to have a lot of control over this roster. Obviously, he's going to bring in the quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, who's going to be the guy supposedly for the next decade to get them to the promised land. It's It could go both ways. I mean, but you could say, yeah, Nick Saban didn't have success, but Jimmy Johnson did. Jimmy Johnson was great. He won national championships at Miami, went to the Dallas Cowboys, made them Super Bowl champions. And when have you ever heard that of the Dallas Cowboys being Super Bowl champions? Um, um, I can't say I've heard that in the last 20 years. But, wow. Wowie, wowie. So, I think... They got a lot of cap space. They got the number one pick. I think this is the best option for Urban to be successful because he's going to have a lot of control over this roster. He's really going to be in charge of things. He's going to make it happen for them. I think he'll rejuvenate things. Look, apparently Florida fans don't like Urban Meyer because of the way he left the school, but he won you guys a national championship. Like, calm the hell down. You should be thankful that you had a winning coach because a lot of schools don't have that opportunity. Mm. Look, he lets his coaches do a lot of things. I think he's going to bring in some good staff people to make the, the team be really successful. It just, it's, it's the NFL. It's a different league. How is he going to be able to connect with grown-ass men and lead grown-ass men rather than children? Because that's what college football players are that they are children they are teenagers they're adolescents like now he's coaching grown men so it's a little different but I would still say it's a good hire I think it was only a matter of time before he got into coaching I think he did everything that he could to college that's why you know he didn't take the Texas job that's why he wasn't interested in the Michigan job if they let go of Harbaugh really think he was 
eyeing the right opportunity for him at the NFL level. And sure enough, here we are. And he is the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, yeah, I think it's a good hire. But it remains to be seen. It remains to be seen. So, Jaguars just got a little more interesting. Uh, Let's talk about, the. I would say, the second biggest hire um, so far to this point has got to be the New York Jets. I know the two of the weakest teams, two of the worst teams. Um, the New York Jets hired Robert Saleh. And that's right. He was the defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers the past three seasons. He was a linebacker coach with the Jaguars from 2014 to 2016. Uh, worked for the Seahawks on their coaching staff from 2011 to 2013. And then he was a linebacker coach with the Texans before that. I think it was only a matter of time before this guy got a coaching job, um, a head coaching job at that. I remember his name being on the market all last offseason, so really only a matter of time for him. Um, Comes into another situation. I think it's a good situation for him. You know, he's going to have a lot of say in how this team functions as far as, you know, they got a lot of cap space. Are they going to move on from Sam Darnold, or are they going to keep Sam Darnold? Like, what what are they going to do? And he's going to have a lot of say. He's going to have a lot of choice. And I think what's really cool about him is he's the first Muslim-born head coach in NFL history. First Muslim head coach in NFL history. Love seeing groundbreaking things. I'm all for that kind of stuff. So really cool to see that. And um, yeah, I would say it's a good hire. I mean, I don't, I don't know what better you can do if you're just going to, uh, other than shuffling the same old coaches. And I think anything is an upgrade over <laughs> Adam Gase. I mean, what a terrible, terrible coach he was during his time there. So I think it can only get better uh, for the Jets, but... Two organizations, Jets, Jaguars, when have we ever seen them be successful? That remains to be seen, but I think they got the guys that they wanted to to this point. The other two coaching hirings, um, I don't know anything about the Atlanta Falcons hired Arthur Smith. Um, He was the offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans and then an assistant coach for the Titans. Um, You know, coach tight ends offensive line. Um, He was the offensive coordinator uh, 2019 2020 season and has been with the Titans since 2011. Yeah, I don't know anything about him. Titans have, have had a good offense, but I think that's due to having the best running back in the league, uh, Derrick Henry, which the Atlanta Falcons do not. Um, I mean, Tannehill has definitely shown progression, so I think that's another big reason why the Falcons did this. I think they're going to hit the reset button. I think Matt Ryan probably has played his last snap with the Falcons. I wouldn't imagine they want to move on with bringing in a new coach and keeping the same veteran quarterback. Um, so I could see some change there. They bring in a new guy um, to make some things happen and you know, just completely hit the reset button is what I expect the Falcons to do. Final hire, um, the Los Angeles Chargers hired Brandon Daly, defensive coordinator for the Rams. Uh, Like I said, Rams had one of the best defense. He was an outside linebacker coach for the Denver Broncos uh, the year before that. And then was the outside linebackers coach for my Chicago Bears in 2017-18. So 
defensive-minded coach for an offensive-minded team. You know, Justin Herbert, the offense was great this year for the Chargers where they faltered and struggled was defensively. But they still have defensive pieces with Joey Bosa. Um, So they're still going to be dangerous. I think this is – I say this is the best coaching opportunity because the roster is already the most skilled. The roster already has the most talent compared to the other – teams such as the Falcons, the Jets, Jaguars. Obviously, um, two of those three teams can make moves um, when it comes to cap space, free agency. But the the Chargers just have the most talent. And bringing in a defensive-minded coach, uh, good luck to Justin Herbert, but I think he's a talented enough player to work around that. I'm sure he'll bring in the right offensive minds to understand it. You know, and it, and he was in the coaching room with Sean McVay. I'm sure he picked up a thing or two when it came to offensive side of the ball, um, especially from McVay, who's such a offensive-oriented guy. So I would say another decent hire, but I don't know too much about. I will say this, though. Haven't spoke on it since it happened, but Doug Peterson deserved to be fired by the Eagles. Not a very good coach. I think he was very overrated. I think he caught the Eagles at the right time when they had a roster put together thanks to Chip Kelly um, and Andy Reid. I just don't believe Doug Peterson to be that talented of a coach. Now, I'm sure he'll get another job. I'm sure he'll get another opportunity to coach, but I think he just lost the locker room. I mean, this whole year was just tumultuous. I mean, ever since the Super Bowl run back in 2017, the team has been on a downward, uh, on the decline. I mean, what, they went 9-7 and seven in 2018. They went 9-7 and seven in 2019. 4-11-1 this season. Just terrible. I mean, yeah. You know, what they win? They won a playoff game in 2018, but they beat the Bears. Thanks to Cody Parkey going dink-doink. It's nothing too impressive. I just think Doug Peterson lost the locker room by sticking with Wentz so long, finally turning to Hurts, and then right when it's like, okay, it's Hurts' team, Hurts' time, let's go, he then, what does he do? He goes to Nate Sudfield to play the final game of the year after Jalen Hurts struggled for a quarter on a quarter and a half. Like, he's going to go with Sudfield, a guy who's been the third-string quarterback for four years. Like, why are you going to the third-string quarterback in the final game of the year? It just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So I really think he lost the locker room. Guys stopped believing in what he was doing, that he really wanted to win, that he put them in the best position to win. I think front office felt that same way as well. Look, 42-37-1. and as a head coach um, during his time with the Eagles and his only head coaching job, it's only five games above 500 with a tie thrown in there. That's, that's not that, all that impressive if you ask me. And I think that, again, I think that's one of the most fluke Super Bowl runs ever considering that Nick Foles did it for you and it wasn't even supposedly your franchise guy and Carson Wentz and what has Nick Foles ever done before that and after that? Mm, needless to say, he ain't done shit. So look, he just comes from that Andy Reid coaching tree. Um, look, I'm sure he'll be coaching again at some point because, you know, he's still a smart football mind, but gosh, I'm just he deserved to be fired. I, w- I will say, though, it's the worst job you could possibly 
possibly have. I mean, having to worry about, okay, you're a new coach, and now you got to deal with a $30 million quarterback in Carson Wentz expecting to be the starter again. But Jalen Hurts played better than him last year. Uh, like, what are you going into? They have no cap space. They got aging stars. It's just, it's a terrible situation to go into. I expect whatever coach to take that job has to be hard-nosed and have a real understanding on what they're going to do before they even take the job there. Because that is a nightmare of a coaching opportunity. And I don't think it's going to bode well for anyone who takes it. Like they're just gonna they have to make major moves. Like they have no cap space, aging stars, a quarterback who's frustrated, is supposed to be your franchise guy. It's just whew, it's looking ugly there in the town of brotherly love who have the worst fans in all of sports. Well, and that's the end of topic number three. And now for my unpopular opinion. Look. Today, well, if you're listening to this on January 18th of 2021, it was Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And, you know, a lot of people were sending out messages, quotes of what the man said. You know, he had some pretty great lines, if I say so myself. You know, he he was quite the talker. Um, Just, you know, everyone was just throwing something out there. He just had a lot of powerful statements um, you know, if you ever look at him, lightning makes no sound until it strikes. Um, one of my favorites, um, what is it? Let me find it here just so I say it correctly, too. I don't want to butcher anything by the late, great Dr. Martin Luther King. Um, this man said, we must learn to live together as brothers or perish together as fools. Everyone knows the iconic I had a dream speech. I'm, we must use time creatively in the knowledge that the time is always ripe to do right. Just, just so many powerful messages that if you really learn and listen to what he had to say, it's life-changing stuff. And he was truly a renaissance guy who, like, go down in history. There's a reason we have a day celebrating Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. But my unpopular opinion... A lot of you people who are saying these quotes and, like, quoting him directly, um, yeah, none of y'all are really about that life. And that's my unpopular opinion. If you're going to preach someone's words, why don't you live, actually live your life on the things that he is saying? If you're saying don't judge someone by the color of their sin, but the, by the content of their character, yeah, you're judging people based on how they look, regardless of its skin color. That you can relate it to everything, what people wear, how they dress, what they, how they wear their hair, if they're male, female, trans, whatever it happens to be. Don't discriminate someone until you get to know them. Like, just see a lot of people who say, just quoted him, and just it's like you don't, you don't even live your own life like that. Why are you telling other people that you're very fond of this man? And I remember seeing a tweet by his daughter, by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s daughter. She said, you know, my father was one of the most hated men uh, on the planet at one point. You know, there, 
Like, the man was assassinated. Like, they killed him. People were happy to see him die. And, yeah, as time has gone on, we've learned that the things that he say are, said are important and we should be listening to him. But a lot of people don't like him. And even those same people who use those quotes, I bet you go back, like, a few years ago, they didn't like him. They hated him. Like, some of these old fucks who just love to just throw it out on Twitter, just quote him, put a picture up there. It's like, you don't, you don't believe that. Why are you saying that? If you're not going to, if you're going to say it, be about it. That's my unpopular opinion. If you're going to preach the man's words, at least live your life that way. If you're going to have the audacity to quote him and say that he was a great man, why don't you live your life like that if he was that great? If you actually did listen, if you actually did learn something for, from him, be about that life. If you're going to preach the words of being kind, generous, judging people not by the looks but the content of their character, whatever you want to say, be about that life. Don't just say it. Don't just say it. Really be about it. And that's the end of episode 48 of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. Thanks for listening. Till next time, you know, check me out on social media. Feel free to hit me up if you ever want to talk sports. And stay tuned. More episodes to come. I promise. You know, they're, com- they're coming quick here in 2021. We got time, baby. We got